DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is officially live in Maryland. Now you can legally bet on all your favorite sports with DraftKings anytime and anywhere. For a limited time, new customers who sign up with code SWING will receive $200 in free bets instantly. That's code SWING, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and over. Physically present in Maryland. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus issued as free bets. See DraftKings.com MD for full terms and conditions. And welcome back to another episode of the Have We Made It Yet podcast. Can't believe it, man, but it's actually episode 37 right now. We are so close to a year's worth of episodes. It's incredible. My name is Lucas the Actor, and I am joined by my co-host, Josh the Comedian. We don't have last names because uh, we, we've decided not to succumb to society's expectations of us. Um but you know my the name the last name I was born with is Yang, so I'm Lucas. Or no, I'm not Lucas. <laughs> I'm Josh Yang, dude. And my last name is Ng N G, but I was only born with it. But I bestow the last name the actor onto myself now. Um, as we start off with every episode, though, we ask each other the question, actually the only question that this whole podcast is about, Mister Josh Yang. Have you made it yet? I have not made it yet, no. But um, this is a this is one opportunity I'm able to show you guys my uh, long hair that I've got my quarantine hair. Yeah. Before I don't think anybody really realized how long my hair has gotten, but I'm really going for my '80s Jackie Chan, uh, Jackie Chan martial arts film look. Just nice. Just get it wavy in the back. Just yeah, try something different. Different also, no glasses. Uh-huh. So. There's that's that's what I have going for me right now. <clears throat> Everything else is, you know, doesn't nothing's happening. But uh, but hey, Lucas, have you made it yet? No, but I will say though, Rumble in the Bronx, one of the best movies. Not even Jackie Chan movies, but one of the best movies. Um, no, again, I have not made it yet. Although I did a cool audition, self tape audition just now, or oh, well, two days ago. We'll see where that takes me. Um, but, you know, everyone, so long as your friends and family are healthy and safe right now, that's all we can really hope for. So, you know, I'm literally knocking on wood. You know, so long mm-hmm. as we're healthy and safe, I think we've made it this year. Yeah. And uh, basically, based upon what we can talk about as two creatives on this podcast, you know, talking about the process of making it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be a lot of the same for a while, which, you know, everybody who's like trying to make it is feeling that, that grind right now. But, uh, you know, there's some opportunities here and there, some mm-hmm. lights at the lights at the end of the tunnel here and there, but, you know, it's always nice to talk to new, new guests and new actors and, and Lucas, who's our guest today. Oh my God. Okay. I know I always ask you this, but are you ready for this guy? I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Dude, he is, I'm so legit though. Like I'm so pumped for him just because like, although the shows hasn't been released this year yet, like when the show does get released, it's going to be big. Okay. So, so first, um, so pumped for our next guest here. Uh, just some background. Uh, so in 2019, when I first like embarked on this whole road of going into film and, and uh, becoming an actor and all that stuff. Uh, one of the things that I did to learn as much about the film world was not only did I enroll into film school, but I also wanted to see how working on set was as an as a background performer. So I did some background acting. Uh, I worked on a show with the production name of Zeus. I didn't know much about the show, but I do remember some people dressed up as superheroes. When I talked to the people around me, I soon found out that the show was called Jupiter's Legacy. Look out for that when it does come out. It's going to be incredible. When I researched the show a bit more, I found out that our guest here will be playing the supervillain of the series. I quickly followed him on Instagram and I've gotten the chance to see his meteoric rise right there. He's been incredibly gracious with me as I've DM'd him about questions on the acting game, things such as uh, his fitness routine, his financial management slash budgeting, 
acting studios to check out, etc. It's that willingness to mentor and also help others that speak volumes about his true character. It's that charitable heart that he has that I'm sure has guided many actors, but also has helped and lend a hand in a UN environmental campaign. He's a great actor, a spokesperson, and also philanthropist. Please give it up for the amazing Mr. Chase Tang. Hey. Oh my God. Lucas, you are too kind. Wow. I feel like I think on my light is white. Otherwise, you would see the blushiness in me. Uh, thank you so much for that intro. That was very, very kind. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem, man. Also, again, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate it. Like, I'm very excited to be joining both of you tonight. Oh, uh, thank uh. you. As we start off with every episode, though, Mr. Chase Tang, have you made it yet? I definitely have not made it. Oh, okay. Let's just be <laughs> frank here. I yeah. wish I made it, but no, I definitely have not made it. Awesome. Awesome. Um, as a follow-up to that though, when you do go on this whole path of making it, what is your it in making it? I think um, for me, making it is, um, you know, I think if we're talking about the acting game, I think it's where you get to a point where you could truly choose the roles that you want. Um, you could even turn down a lot of roles. <laughs> and it's something I think where, you know, you will be uh, financially compensated, I think at a, um, at, you know, if you want to say kind of that top 1% tier, if we're talking about the acting game, I think that's in my, in my opinion, I think that's how I would define making it in that. But I think you can make it in the acting game, but still not quite make it maybe in your personal life or in your professional life. But if we're talking about acting specifically, the entertainment, that's how I would define it, you know, on those, those kind of terms. Yeah, yeah. You wore many hats currently still right now you wear many hats. But prior to this, like your big foray into performing in front of others was playing hockey in Nova Scotia there. Um, have you taken any of those physical skills that you've learned in hockey and used them in your acting? Yeah, I definitely did. Um, so I think I, um, growing up, my dream was always to play, um, uh, in the NHL and, uh, you know, I, I don't even use the word dream. I think it was, that's what I thought I was destined to. And I thought it was like, it was just like, it was almost like, that's a job I'm going to have when I grow up. So, you know, when you are thinking in those terms, you're thinking by the time you're like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, you're going to sign, you know, multi-million dollar contracts and like, you know, you're in Vancouver. So it'd be like the Vancouver Canucks, like yeah. have Alberre, like, you know, those guys, Trevor, Trevor Linden, Marcus Nazan, like all those guys I know really well. And yeah. Pavel Burr is my favorite player. So I think growing up, like that was, you know, my, um, like that was basically the end goal. And then when it didn't happen, it was very, very um, upsetting and devastating for me. So I think at a young age, um, I definitely had a lot of um, um, some stuff that I think that was said to me that I, you know, looking back, I wish I wouldn't have listened so in terms of applying a lot of those traits or work ethic over, um, I think um, fitness and working out and stuff like that, um, I think I acquired a lot of that playing hockey. Like I always had pretty good um, work ethic and, you know, and staying consistent and, and having a good routine. So I think I was able to um, apply a lot of that into the, um, um, into my acting career from a, you know, from a physique or a fitness perspective. But I think the biggest thing that I kind of took from that was, because I let so many people in my year playing hockey and kind of discouraged me, I think um, coming into the acting game, like, you know, 12, 13, 14 years later, I think I've become a lot better at uh, managing that and managing the mental game, I think. So I think mm. those are very transferable skills that I've taken from my hockey days. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember in another interview that you did that um, the, the world of acting and modeling was that, that seed was kind of placed in, into you when you would, go to Taiwan on family trips and all that stuff. Um, you know, you, you did make a major pivot from say the corporate role that you were in previously to acting. Would you say your family has been supportive of you moving into a career as an actor? Um, I think supportive, um, you know, like I know a lot of, uh, a lot of kids, or I think it seems like most actors, their family is almost on the extremes of each. So either they're mm. like very supportive or the parents are like really against it. Right. And yeah. I would say, my family or my parents are probably more in the middle. And when I say in the middle, it's more kind of like this, where if you tell them that you want to mm -hmm. go into acting, they would acknowledge it, but maybe they wouldn't take it very seriously. So it's yeah. like, you know, I hope it goes well. And I think it's because, I mean, right now I'm 32. So I've, um, I've been on my own since um, I was 19 years old. So I think uh, mm -hmm. 
So I think there was a little bit of that independence. So I think it was just one of those things where, um, you know, they, they, I would have wished that maybe they were a little bit more kind of passionate in terms of like maybe either being super against it, be like, you're so dumb. Don't, don't go into acting or be like, yeah, you know, you're going to be a next star. But I would say it was just more in the middle. It was, they weren't overly kind of, um, you know, passionate about it. But I think now that I'm picking up a little bit of, um, a little bit of steam in the industry, I think they're a little bit more interested. And I think it's just, it's kind of human nature when, you know, when, um, when there's kind of not much maybe excitement going on, I mean, you have to be your best cheerleader. So that's kind of um, in terms of my family situation. Cause I've had that asked a lot. They're like, how did your family think? And I was like, they're kind of just in the middle, you know, they neither really are against it, but they neither really like care that much. So it's just right in the middle. Yeah. 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 I, I swear with a lot of like, well, I guess I, I can't speak for all Asian parents, but my parents are Asian themselves too. And I didn't really tell them that I was going to embark this. I, I just kind of said I was going to do it. And the whole thing was just kind of, okay, we'll see how it goes. They were more surprised. They, they didn't really like give, give a negative uh, answer to sense. it, but just like, yeah. okay, we'll, we'll, we'll manage our expectations. So we don't, we, we ourselves aren't too disappointed if it doesn't make sense. Out. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of it does come with like, maybe like Asian parents don't necessarily conceptualize it until you actually make some progress. Like you're actually able to present something that's kind of tangible. You know, if like you, if you present like say in comedy, like they can see you in a professional setting or in a theater performing, then it's like, oh, okay. Then what they're saying is not just what they're saying. It's like, they're actually doing it. Or it's like, maybe if seeing you in a commercial is like, oh, now I, now that I see this is like a tangible type of endeavor, you know, I, now I can yeah. conceptually understand it. And it's always, I think it's always kind of like a little worry as well, right? Like, especially if you're in a stable job or you're already in a path, it's like, uh, it's always calculating the risk. Um, for you, I know you you were already in a corporate type of role and that's very stable. That's essentially like, that's done. The parents don't can relax and that kind of thing. So at like what stage in your corporate role were you like really starting to see acting as something you wanted to do and like, how did that kind of transition into making that decision? So when I worked in the corporate world, I um, so I started in the corporate world at uh, 19 years old. So I did two years at University of Guelph, and mm -hmm. then I dropped out and then decided to work. And then in 2015, I went back to Guelph and then eventually got my degree. Nice. So basically, mm -hmm. I started working like very, very young. And then I struggled for many, many years to make any money. Like, I think probably close to three and a half years where I like made next to no money and really struggled hard. Oh. And, but my initial decision going into the corporate world, um, Josh and Lucas was because I think there was always that chip on my shoulder that I wanted to make money and that I mm. wanted to, mm. like, I think there was a part of me that was still sort of chasing that hockey dream, you know, wanting to, so I was like, you know, since I couldn't make it in that, then maybe I'll go into corporate world and become like the next Jordan Balfour, just make millions of dollars through that. So I think I was very, always very money, money motivated. And then when I didn't make money for a few years, I was very discouraged, but eventually I was very fortunate in my early twenties, like around 23, I started to pick up some steam and, and I was doing okay financially in, in the corporate mm -hmm. world. And then for probably about uh, four years, things were progressively getting better and better. And I think um, near the end, I had a bit of, um, I had some, um, I think it's, what would you call it? Sometimes I think people, they call that uh, midlife crisis or whatever. Maybe mm -hmm. I kind of had a little bit younger where I just felt my career was not going the way I wanted. And it wasn't kind of the life I had. So it, I developed a very severe mental illness and a whole bunch of other stuff came after that. Mm. So long story short, I did leave the corporate world. And then it wasn't until I was very much at rock bottom. Like, yeah. and when you're, when I'm talking rock bottom, it's like, it was a very, it was like the hardest five months of my life. And then at that time, I, um, I remember I was about to go and start looking for another job again. I quit my last job and gave myself a few months um, I went to see a psychologist and then I remember I started wanting to look for another job, right? Eventually I, you know, I got myself treated and I was like, okay, now time to go back in the corporate world. <laughs> and I remember seeing a brow, um, a bookmark browser on my, uh, internet tab. And it was an acting class that I bookmarked like probably two years prior. Wow. And it was, wow. it was one of those things where, um, cause I was still attending Guelph at that time when I was attending Guelph part-time. And I remember telling myself the moment my corporate career sort of levels off, meaning that I can make a ton of money and be a, on sort of the automation that I'm going to enroll in some acting classes. And then, you know, and mm. cause I was always very intrigued by entertainment and Hollywood related stuff, but I just, 
when you're in the corporal, I'm telling you, they work you like a dog. It's hard to get yeah. a moment to breathe. So <laughs> I remember I saw the acting class and I was like, well, you know, right now I have time and it's not like I'm really stuck for money. So if I don't experiment with this acting class now, when's it going to happen? Never going to happen. Right. <laughs> not like I'm going to get this another job and then all of a sudden I'm going to have time for acting. So I'm like, right now I yeah. don't have a job. Let's just give it a try. So I decided to enroll in that acting class and I was like nervous as heck. And I still remember which one it is. It's a local Toronto one. And then from there, you see all these headshots on the wall. Yeah. And then, um, and I remember I, I really enjoyed it, but I was like super, super terrified. And then from <laughs> that, you just kind of try to build on that and try to learn a little bit more. So that initially was kind of my start into acting was, um, mm. you know, like I was always very curious about it, but didn't know how to start. And then, you know, you kind of, yeah. So that was my first initial step transitioning over into not transitioning, but I think kind of taking that first initiative. That was it. Yeah. Right. Like I remember hearing in another like fast interview that you were doing, um, you said acting didn't really come natural to you and you had to like press really hard and, and train really hard to do it. Can you, can you go into a bit more detail about like what you had to do in terms of training yourself to push where you are today now? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Lucas. So I'll tell you, this is, um, I've had some very, very harsh things said to me by, um, by oh, no. a lot of acting teachers. Okay. In mm. Toronto. And I would say, if people were to ask me which agents, which um, acting studios or instructors, I could pretty much rhyme off every single one in Toronto. And I think there's very few actors, I think, unless they've been out for a long time, they would know that. So <laughs> I did go into a lot of classes and a lot of the reputable ones, unfortunately, they didn't have very nice things to say about me. Mm. And um, so very early on, I realized that I wasn't naturally very good and it was very discouraging. And I mean, it was from even simple as just memorizing lines. Like right now, I would say, I'm probably better than most actors, like even professional actors, uh, like who have been acting for a long time and memorizing lines. But mm. when I first started, like that first two years, I didn't know how to even do the basics like that. And I struggled very hard. And then in classes, um, you know, when you have like, you know, not very nice things said to you by some pretty um, prominent teachers, it really, yeah. it kind of hits you pretty hard. So I think that was when um, I remember I, I, um, I had to really, like when I talk about like I had to, press a lot harder it was so there was a lot of classes that I wasn't allowed to enroll in you know mm. and um because you know I had nothing on my resume and I was like you know they saw me as a terrible actor so I would just basically audit the class to sit in the class mm -hmm. and I remember watching a lot of these actors that um some were on tv some had a good um resume to them and some had great agents and I remember auditing classes for close to about a year and a half so wow. these so I was enrolling in certain classes, but I was auditing other classes. So I was watching what you would so call the better actors in Toronto, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember every class I sat on, I would, I would Uber analyze it, like from the perspective of mm. every single script, every single line, everything that they had. Yeah, I yeah. always asked myself, if I was put in that same situation, would I be able to do the same, better, worse, whatever? So there was constantly always that compare contrast because mm -hmm. I got to watch so many actors that in these classes that I wasn't allowed to. <clears throat> and then a lot of times I would actually just go home and, and find their exact script, Google it, and then just try to rework it at home, like self tape nice. myself just for fun. Yeah. So I remember like I was willing to put in the time to, um, to try to, cause I just, I just knew that the talent wasn't quite there for me. So I was mm. like, I could always rely on my work ethic and rely on my, um, yeah. like I, I get, I get bored pretty easily, but I, <laughs> for some reason I always noticed at a young age, I was able to tolerate the boredom a lot better than other people. So I think okay. I kind of let that be my saving grace. So for mm -hmm. instance, um, if an average actor, let's say spent, you know, two or three hours preparing for a scene for a class. Yeah. I remember when I first sort of started out after about this year and a half, I'd be willing to spend like the whole day doing it. Like mm -hmm. it was kind of that extreme. So <laughs> it was almost like, I didn't do anything different. I just did a lot longer and I had to put a lot more work into the same stuff. And then, yeah. And you get more confident because you will be surprised. You will, you will be in classes with some actors who are revered as amazing actors. Okay. And mm -hmm. I'll give you the one experience that I had. Then oh, this wow. was a breakthrough for me. And okay. I've had a lot of these little mini breakthroughs. There was this actor. Okay. And I still remember exactly his name. This was in 2017. Okay. In December. Okay. And this was a workshop, um, a very well-known workshop. Okay. And mm -hmm. we have one actor. He was from Los Angeles. He was on the lead of this major TV show shooting in Toronto. Okay. Okay. And he was with one of the major agencies in Los Angeles, like the big time. I'm talking like, like the CA? Johnny, one of those ones. Exactly. Okay. So it wasn't CA, it was William Morris. The w other WME. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> WME. 
So I'm mm-hmm. sure you know all these agencies. Anyways, yeah. so he was like the big star in that class. Like everyone like sucked up to him and everything like that. And I remember wow. when he went up to do his scene, he was so nervous. Like I was shocked, mm-hmm. right? So imagine if you guys follow basketball, imagine imagine like uh, Kawhi Leonard playing mm-hmm. a street game and just and just being very like insecure. Like it would be like, oh my God, like this is Kawhi, right? Yeah. And I remember that moment that's when I realized these guys are mortal. They are not immortal. Mm-hmm. And from that moment on, I remember I had probably another 12 other um, examples where I saw this, right? Mm-hmm. And that could really give you a lot of faith and belief. So mm-hmm. a lot of times when these acting coaches continue telling me I'm garbage and I suck and everything like that, eventually it just becomes noise because you start seeing all these other actors that they admire, right? And yeah. keep in mind, when you're comparing William Morris, they're at the top. So there's very few Toronto actors or Vancouver or Canadian actors who are at that level. Yeah. So when you've already seen someone like that, no matter how, cause I often had a lot of teachers will say so-and-so actor is amazing, but they will <laughs> say Chase Tang is garbage. Right. So then I'm thinking like, you know, if I didn't know any better, I would let that affect me. So, <laughs> so um, when you guys were kind of asking about like maybe some different examples and stuff, that was one thing that allowed me to sort of, be a lot more open-minded to sort of understanding what's possible and stuff. I do think the mind has a big limitation. Oh um, yeah. You know, on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you had briefly touched upon this about how, um, about how critiques and, or even compliments are not a real evaluation on yourself. They're just opinions. I think you, you said that previously before too. Um, is there a mantra or a slogan that you generally say to yourself to keep you grounded and consistent so you can still perform at what you think is the very, very best? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think um, the reason why I, I do feel that um, sometimes you have to be very careful with the compliments is because yeah. when I was a young kid playing hockey, like I was a sucker for that. And, and that's one thing like Luke's and Josh, if I can go back like 15 years from now, I would mm. happily do that because I would, I mean, I love playing hockey. I love sports. And I would love to kind of go back at age 10, 11 and redo all over again, do things differently. <laughs> yeah. But the one thing is I was a big sucker for compliments. And and the reality is this, I always believe there's like a yang and a, uh, what is it? Yin and a yang. Yep. So if you are taking in something good, then technically, if you see that as good, then whatever is opposite that you're going to see is very bad. Right. And here's mm. the thing. Like if somebody's saying, oh, you are amazing, you're this, you're this, you're this, it does feel very good. And it, it's a certain level of excitement. But the problem becomes this. If you let that sink in, okay, what happens when that stops? Not only yeah. when it stops, what happens if people start throwing the other thing or the same people start throwing the same thing? What happens mm-hmm. then? Are you going to now just trick yourself and play a little mental gymnastics and block it out and say, oh, you know what? I only want to listen to the good, not the bad. So yeah. that's where I, I kind of tell myself is that, whatever is being said to me, I kind of, I will, you know, take it and chirp it and how I decide to kind of use it would be a different, it would be a different thing. And I don't think mm-hmm. I make decisions based on what people tell me or say, because I do feel that if you do your proper research, your homework, you are able to make the best decision for yourself. And mm-hmm. no one knows your situation better than you. But I also think that um, when you start listening to what people are suggesting, especially if they're not in a position to advise you, it yeah. could be a little bit, um, bad so in terms yeah. of the good and bad and there's not you know i'm not going around sort of listening to a whole bunch of positive stuff to keep myself very grounded i would say um mm-hmm. i do know some people that do that and i think when you are doing that you're how would i say it? whatever you are doing is probably too painful to i'll oh, give okay. you an example like mm-hmm. i know some people who are working a job right and every day they got to motivate themselves like they're like, yeah, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, right? And yeah. my first thinking is this, because I used to be like that when I mm-hmm. worked in the corporate world. And here's the thing. If you are doing something 8, 9, 10, 11 hours a day, and you have to motivate yourself to do it, and you've got to be your best cheerleader to keep plugging away, then it's probably like not the right thing. Because it's almost like this, Lucas. I love eating junk food, chips, ice cream. You don't have to beg me to eat chips and ice cream. Like I will happily do it 8 hours a day. Yeah, and yeah. I do think that whatever you're doing, whether it's acting or work in the corporate world or finance, whatever it is, it has to be something that I think um, has, you have to really enjoy it where you don't got to force yourself to do it. So I think mm-hmm. um, any of the, the stuff, the grounding stuff or any of the stuff that I do to kind of keep myself more, you know, a little bit level headed, I would say like, will probably be just um, kind of understanding 
my uh, my overall surroundings and my mental mm. state it's not <laughs> yeah it's, there's not a big exercise I need you to kind of keep myself like super ambitious or motivated i don't know mm-hmm. that's kind of a long-winded answer sorry about that no no, no worries yeah. yeah i think it's i think it's really um it does touch upon the the desire or the need i think of a lot of asians in their 20s like coming out of university whether it's getting a job that you think you should have um and then realizing mm-hmm. you now have some freedom to like find the thing that's passionate that you're passionate about to drive you so you don't have to like push yourself every day to work like say a corporate job or or what whichever job you choose right exactly and i I think the big thing josh is that when you have to force yourself to work i've noticed that a lot of your energy is spent on motivating yourself versus being productive and that's and that was one thing i noticed that was a, a big problem because when you're doing something that you are either passionate or you really enjoy you will be surprised. You have to force yourself to stop working. And mm. that's when you are able to work at 12 hours, you know, a day or 16 or whatever, and you don't feel tired. But when it's something you don't like, I'm telling you, you got to motive, you got to be listening to like those cinematic, epic, you know, super like, you know, saving the world kind of music to just motivate yourself to work four or five, six hours a day. And that's yeah. when there's a lot of dis, um, inefficiency in the way you do things. So I think when you're saying about those young, you know, whether it's Asian people or whatever coming up, that's a big problem is when you're kind of doing things either for your family or for other people, and you're doing something you don't enjoy and you've got to like, it's a constant grind. Every day is a grind. You're like, is it ever going to get better? And if it's something you don't enjoy, it's hard to get better. That's in my opinion. If it's something you really, really don't enjoy, but if something mm-hmm. you like, you will find a way and make it all work. I absolutely agree. And like, I guess since we're talking about like that kind of passion and that drive, I'm wondering based upon your experience since you started and like you've done a couple uh, commercial some shows now i'm wondering what have you found is the thing that you like the most about that experience and like what drives you to make you want to get more um shows well, bigger films yeah great question uh, i'll tell you one thing josh that uh and lucas i appreciate you touching up on the background when that you were on zeus that's amazing you're on oh that. yeah Glad we didn't our paths didn't cross at that time I know. so speaking of background my first ever background job okay my first ever non-union was in hamilton non-union okay and mm-hmm. i did so I probably did more background work from 2016 and 2018 than I would say probably 2016 until the end of 2017. I did more background those two years than I think then I would, I almost want to say than every single actor in Toronto, cause I did a lot. So you have to keep in mind every yeah. single TV show, every that was shooting in Toronto. I've seen the sets, I've seen the crew, I've seen the whole process. Okay. So my first ever union one was on suits. Oh, cool. right, suits with Harvey Specter and all those guys. Nice. And I remember I was a huge fan of suits. <laughs> so I remember when I did the background, I enjoyed it so much that I remember I packed all my food and I packed everything. Cause I thought I was going to, cause people tell me that background is like torture. Right. And I remember like, they're like, Oh, it's long hours. So I literally, I packed my food as if it's military. Like I packed a whole bunch of smoothies and I went to sales. Like, I don't care they could work me 24 hours, 40 hours. I'll endure it. And I remember after six hours, they brought out food, right? And I'm like, obviously, it's not for me. That's for Harvey Specter and everyone else, right? And during the whole thing, I remember when I saw Harvey Specter, the lead on it, I was like, oh my God, like it's like a god. Because you see this guy on TV for five, six years, and all of a sudden, yeah. you see him like face to face. You do mm. crosses in the background. I was like, this is crazy. So, number one, number one, I would have done background for free. That's for one, okay? Mm. Number two, when they brought out food, I was like, <laughs> okay, don't kid yourself, Chase. Like that food is not for you. And then after when all the leads ate and they say, all right, now everyone else can go. And I remember checking, I was like, are you sure? So I remember from that moment on, okay, keep in mind, Lucas yeah. and Josh, I was willing to do background for free. And mm-hmm. I wasn't, I was prepared to starve for like 14 hours. Like if they fed me, that was a bonus. So think about this. When you're yeah. in background, all you hear are people complaining, complaining, complaining. You mm-hmm. hear people like, oh my God, you know, they're not going to wrap us yet. We got another six more hours. Like I hear all this, right? I'm like, you guys are crazy. I would do this for free. Like, okay. and that was, it was that moment when I realized that I enjoy the industry a lot more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that was when I realized that I was willing to do a lot more. Cause when you like it. So that was the turning point when I realized that like, um, you know, I was very passionate and like, it was something I enjoy. Like, I was like, Oh my, like, think about it. I was willing to do it for free and they were, they were going to pay me. And when I became Actra, they paid you $25 an hour. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like stealing money. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then when they give you food, sometimes like they give you really expensive full. I mean, Lucas, if you've done background, you know the quality of food on set. Oh yeah. And then craft start, services. Oh yeah. Oh my god, and I start uh -huh. bringing Tupperware and then like <laughs> save on grocery <laughs> bills. I'm like, oh my god, this is like heaven, right? So when I finally gave up on background, it's because I got a principal agent. Um, and then I realized that I couldn't do background, but it was, I was very upset because I really enjoyed background. So that was when I realized I really enjoyed the industry was that moment, Josh. Nice. Wow. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's yeah. pretty, that's a pretty good story. Cause we don't, we don't hear that much about, I guess the specific background experience. Cause it is, I guess it does vary, but I mean, it's, it's great to hear you say that because like. I'm thinking when you when you say you'd rather you do it for free, the fa mere fact that you're getting paid is extra. I think that is a lot of what it comes to kind of the creative industry is like you you get so much fulfillment from the actual work. Yeah. You know, like comedians who start off in the beginning, they'll work in the club for free, be doormats, just be near the action yeah, and, and exactly. all of that. Exactly. Be near the action. You're like, oh my God, this is Kiefer Sutherland or this is <laughs> Catherine McNair. And I mean, if Lucas, if you were been trying for the last six years, if uh -huh. you've done background, I'll tell you this, like, there's like no show, no nothing. I don't know. Cause I was like, <laughs> I was the biggest background um, addict that I think Toronto has ever seen. So every wow. single background agent, I was on the roster <laughs> and I was so fast on those emails. When they do availability check, yeah. I'm like, yep, available, available. Melissa Lee, were you with them? Oh my God. Melissa Lee, Pauline, Vikas, yeah. yeah. Yvonne, <laughs> every single one, Morgan right. Rickman, everyone. And the, <laughs> the one thing I think a lot of people don't realize now that I haven't done it, I was always very quiet on background because hmm. background could be very negative. You, you're surrounded by a lot of people who are very limited beliefs. So <laughs> even though I was obsessed with background, but I was very particular who I associated with. Good. And, uh, I was there exactly for what Josh is saying is that you're near the action. I really enjoyed that. Uh -huh. So yeah, we'll have to chat about background another day. Lucas. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. Man. Yeah. Dude, let, let's talk about, yeah, your principal role right now, man. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, I'm really hoping I don't butcher the name Barry on. Is the mm, character right. name perfect? Yep. Okay, honestly, it's amazing that you're getting to play a supervillain because it, at least for in my opinion, it opens up the doors for Asians that have a wider range of roles available to us too. Um, did you feel a greater weight of responsibility when you were portraying Baryon? Um, I definitely did because I kind of looked at the cast sheet and I saw that there weren't uh, like any or many like Asian males on it. And I think initially my first my first hesitation was I was not sure why they kind of came out to uh, uh, Toronto to sort of initially cast that. Cause I see like from my experience, Lucas, a lot of roles, I think it's filled by American people. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until when I went out to LA and Pilot season, I had a few of my buddies that told me they also auditioned for the exact same role that I auditioned for. Oh, wow. That was when I realized that they really extended and looked further. Yeah. But in terms mm -hmm. of the whole casting game, that whole thing is still a mystery to me, even till this date. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the, the um, expectation and a certain weight, I think, um, how would I say it? Like, I felt I was very uh, privileged and very fortunate to be given an mm. opportunity. And I almost, I also felt <clears> that um, I remember during the fitting and during the rehearsals, everything, I remember telling myself that I wanted to, um, like, I wanted to put in twice the amount of work and dedication and commitment nice. versus everybody else. So I think it was just a situation where, because I was given that opportunity and I just wanted to really, so it wasn't so much that. I felt like now there was a lot of eyes on me, but it was more the fact that um, I wanted to um, really show them that um, uh, like I wasn't going to slack off on the effort. So I yeah. kind of went a lot more intense with everything. Like I remember, you know, leading up to the shoot and rehearsals, like I made sure my diet, my yeah. training, my everything. And like, I was super up to date with everything. I was just kind of very, very ready. So, but I don't think awesome. there, I didn't really feel there was a, a big weight because um you know, I think as an actor, you always wait for an opportunity where you are able to um, get a little bit of buzz or a little <laughs> bit of uh, clout. And I think it was something I was very grateful for and beyond excited for. So I think there is very little um, sort of that nervous energy feeling. Instead, it was awesome. just like, it was almost like your favorite movie, you're about to watch it. And then yeah. leading up to it, you're so excited. It was more that for many, many months, I would say that excitement. Definitely. And, and I'm sure that that kind of confidence also came with the amount of preparation that you put into the role too, in terms of research and also getting your physical body all ready for it. Uh, can you go into, we talked about this briefly on like DMs and everything like that, but can you go into a little detail about how you keep your body prepared and ready and mentally ready for these action oriented uh, scenes? Yeah. So um, I knew very early on, um, Lucas, is that like when I first started in acting, like 
you just try to book anything, right? You know, like, cause mm-hmm. you're just getting booked, getting auditions is so difficult. And um, so obviously I wanted to, um, I wanted to play roles where I could be a potentially a lead or have a, a, a bigger role and stuff. And uh, if I could have played like a generic person, I would love to do that. But I just felt that whether it's because of my look, whatever, it, maybe it was a little bit harder to kind of get that. So mm-hmm. at that time I realized, you know, if I want to give myself the best chance to succeed, I have to really um, have my aesthetics be a little bit more different mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe stand out in a perspective where like, you know, if you look at a lot of Asian actors sort of within my ethnicity that I could kind of stand out, whether it was for the good or for the bad, but maybe a little different. Mm-hmm. So in terms of my routine, um, very early on, Lucas, I realized that um, uh, auditions and production and shooting took place usually a Monday to Thursday, Monday to Friday schedule. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think that's a lot of things that a lot of people don't realize is that, um, usually on the weekends, it's like just any nine to five job. So regarding my physique, you know, I used to be a lot heavier and I was able to trim down and maintain it for the last four, four and a half years mm-hmm. is because I kind of give myself that breather room, um, over the weekend. Like I know a lot of actors who, they get really fit and then they, they can't maintain it. You know, they maybe are fit yeah. for a month or two and they can't maintain. And I've been able to maintain it for so long. I think it's because strategically I understand the shooting schedule. So my thinking is this, as long as I am camera ready from, <laughs> you know, Monday to Thursday, then I yeah. could take a day off or cheat or eat like my, my butt off and, and down ice cream and chips and pizzas <laughs> and cheese, you know, yeah. on a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then I would keep me very happy. And then, I just got to make sure by Sunday evening, I start kind of getting myself back in again and then get myself audition, you know, or I guess camera ready and stuff. And just like I said, for me, I just felt um, to have a certain physique or a certain look gave myself the best chance to succeed or potentially book some. Um, my thinking was, you know, like I think, cause I, I studied the way, like, how would I say like models and, and fitness, um, like bodybuilders were prepared for their shows and stuff. And it wasn't like I was trying to look like a model or trying to look like a, um, you know, a, like a bodybuilder or anything, but it was more the fact that I, I wanted to stand out the best way that I could. And whether, yeah. like I said, whether that's good or bad, I just felt like I kind of, you know, cause I, I look at when I was in Los Angeles in 2017, I remember there's like hundreds of um, people that look like me. Right. Mm. And even in Toronto, there's a lot. So I was kind of thinking, what is the best way that I could just look different? So <laughs> that was kind of my thinking. I was like, what if I make my physique very particular and whatever? And so I kind of took a lot of these methods of models and bodybuilders and, and try to perfect it into making it my own. Oh, that's beautiful, man. Yeah. I, I, I never, uh, okay. I always thought it was such a different kind of craft between being a model and being an actor, but yes, there are a lot of uh, similarities that we can take from each other's craft and make ourselves better. Um, on that note though, we talked about physical health. Uh, I also want to briefly touch about mental health too with you. Um, I remember also you had talked about how you, uh, what, before when you were playing hockey and how those dreams didn't pan out, that that took a really hit on your self-worth because you had placed so much of your identity on that sport there. Uh, relaying that to acting, is there anything that you can say to prepare actors for whatever mental health challenges that they may face and how they can work through them and eventually hopefully overcome them? Yeah, I think, um, Lucas, great question. I think the biggest thing is, I like to use the word like attachment, um, attachment because okay. I know a lot of actors, okay, who, um, because how would I say, you always want to kind of either analyze or look at the people who came before you. And I have a lot of friends and even people that I, I wouldn't say I look up to, but I, I follow their careers and I see that maybe they came off of a big show or a big movie, whatever it is. Yeah. And uh, maybe they've gone cold for six months. Maybe mm-hmm. they've gone cold for a year. Maybe sometimes they've gone cold for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I feel that that could really take a toll on somebody mentally because it's almost like you're on a high and then all of a sudden you kind of go. And I think in the entertainment as an actor, as a performer, it's such a challenge to keep yourself kind of constantly up. Like, cause you always... Like, it's almost like just, you know, cause movies come and go shows come and go. Yeah. So the one thing I always told myself to keep myself, um, you know, mentally at peace is I remember, um, when I see a lot of my actor friends <laughs> who they came off shows and then I could see that you can kind of just sense that their confidence is kind of going down as the show is going out and stuff. Mm. And I'm like, cause here's the thing, booking roles is so hard and yeah. getting shows picked up is even harder. And, and not only that getting shows to be picked up, and for it to be renewed for second season, third season, fourth season, and then is already very difficult. So mm-hmm. if you're putting your mental 
well-being on sort of the success of your career and everything, it's a very big gamble because the yeah. acting game, I could write a book, Lucas and on Josh and uh, on a thousand reasons why actors will fail. Like it's, mm. there's just so many things that are against us. So mm. I think one of the big things that I think I do differently is I think on surface, people might think that, you know, Chase sees himself as just an actor standalone, right? Mm-hmm. But I kind of look at it as, you know, acting is one portion, but I wouldn't necessarily say I identify with it the same way that I used to mm. identify with hockey. Okay. Like, so I'll give you an example. There's a lot of people that know me not as the actor. They know me in a different com- context. Mm-hmm. And then eventually they realize, oh, Chase is an actor. Because there's some people that know me just as the fitness ex- the fitness expert. They're like, oh, yep. this guy's be overweight. Now he lost weight. And they're like, oh, I didn't even know he was you know, on Netflix and an actor, right? <laughs> so that's where I try not to identify with one thing because it's mm. it becomes a bit of a dangerous mental game, especially yeah. if it doesn't go well. And the thing <laughs> is, there's too many things in our professional life, Lucas and Josh, that won't go well. And if you mm-hmm. put your mental well-being, which is like so sacred, on the outcome of your professional, if you want to say, prof- I don't want to use the word professional worth, but your professional um, outcome, mm-hmm. it becomes like if it doesn't go well, then you're not going to be happy. So that's yeah. why I really separate the two. And for me, my overall mental health and everything, I think keeps balance because yeah. I just, every day I do my very, very best and I try and make the most of every day. And whether mm-hmm. the outcome is good or it's bad, I just tell myself if I went to sleep that day and I didn't waste any time, then it's a good day, whether outcome good or bad. Like that's yeah. the way I look at it. Very, very simple. Nice. You know, so on the mental health side. Yeah. Love it, man. I love it. That's oh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Josh, did you have that? Last question you want to put out there? Oh, yes. Um, yeah, well, I mean, since we're coming towards the end, usually, like, since we talk off the top, you know, asking our guests, have you made it yet? And then towards the end, we're like, now that we understand, like, we go in cold. So we're, we kind of like want to get that out there. And then we digest a little bit more of our guests. Now that we've gone through and we, we got to know you a bit more, I'm wondering, as we're waiting for, say, like Jupiter, uh, ascending to come out and like future projects, like where you are currently at, how do you view what your new say goal or expectation is towards making it? Because it's definitely going to be different from when you, when you started, right? Yeah, very, very different. I think um, I remember even probably about a year or a year and a half ago, I remember there were certain, um, if you want to say like actors or certain situations where I would feel very um i feel very like starstruck and uh, i think i've been very fortunate when i was in taiwan and even when i spent some time in hollywood during pilot season i realized that like it was kind of like about a year and a half ago i kind of thought if i could let's say rub shoulders with certain celebrities or whatever i was like that means i've made it that means somehow you know you know like my farts don't stink and my poo don't stink like it was kind of that (laughs) mindset yeah i realized that after you've had a chance to sort of, let's say, meet these people or had a conversation, you realize your life like doesn't change, right? And that was when I realized, you know what? It's a lot harder to make it than I thought. Because I always thought by making it means, you know, you guys are like kind of know each other. You guys follow each other on Instagram. You have their personal phone numbers, you know? <laughs> and there's a lot of people in my contacts that I think if I disclose to people, they will be very surprised. But one thing I can tell you is that just because I have their contact, like their personal cell number, doesn't mean like we're BFFs. So that's why I think right now, I, if you, if you asked me this, Josh, like a year and a half ago, I'd be like, yep, if I can meet so-and-so and so, that means I've made it. That means I'm in that, mm-hmm. you know, upper tier of like celebrityism, right? But, um, you know, I think right now, my definition really still making, I think you've got to get to the point where, like you said, you really like, you're at the level of a Tom Cruise or a Brad Pitt where, or Johnny Depp, where you are truly choosing your roles and you are turning down stuff. And the biggest box office stuff you are like the first few names they go to and auditions don't really happen in your world. It's meetings. Yeah. It's, wow. it's what you would do like a cold read. That's what an audition is for a Brad Pitt or Nicholas Cage. Like these guys are meeting directors and they're having reads to see if it's suitable. In mm-hmm. my opinion, that's what I think making it is. So if I can get to that point, then I would say Josh Lucas, I've made it, but I don't even know if I'll ever get to that point in this lifetime. Maybe if I live to age 200, I might be able to, but at the, at the stage I'm going out, I don't know yeah. if I, I'll be able to officially make it. Well, I mean, at age 200 and you're still jacked, I feel like either way, you would have made it. You would have made it to like the pinnacle of human, of the human race, 200 years old and jacked. You're so kind. Thank you. Thank you so much, Josh. We're all rooting for you, Chase. Honestly, man. 
all the best to you, man. You're going to kill it. It's going to be amazing. Thank you so much, Lucas. Yeah, it's been honestly amazing, like keep in touch with you. I uh, like you're super passionate and I think, uh, you know, your passion will take you very far. And I think there's very few people because even when we first connected, I think probably mm-hmm. eight, nine months ago, like, you know, I always kind of keep tabs on the people that I think are very consistent. I, and I know that you were like one of the ones that was plugging away really hard and like just being very, very like, because I see a lot of people who kind of, they will phase in and out and stuff, but mm-hmm. you were very consistent. And like, I always kind of saw you around everywhere. And I was like, you know, this guy, he'll definitely, um, he'll catch a nice break. And once he does, he definitely uh, won't let the steam, you know, steam go. So I have no doubt you'll do very well. Dude, dude, all of us, man, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna do big things, man. We're gonna do big Thank things. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, let's go to word association. Yes. Awesome. Absolutely. So at the end of, uh, yeah, just to give our new viewers or viewers Mm -hmm. a a rehash, but at the end of all of our podcasts, once we've got to know everybody, there's a lot of things, a lot of ideas going on in our heads. So we play a little game with our guests, uh, as word association game. I'll have 10 words. Lucas will have 10 words. And, uh, basically we ask our guests to clear their minds and then just take each word and then whichever word we say what the first thing that comes to mind just say it, or the first word the first idea the first cool. image yeah so um great so how about this i'll start with the 10 words and lucas you got the last 10 words bingo brilliant brilliant okay so <clears throat> chase clear your mind go into a zen state let all your worldly possessions go <laughs> no no anyways but yeah clear your mind and their first word is family Dependability. Mm. Pineapple. Sour. Rain. Washing of the car. (laughs) This is a cheap way of washing the car. Okay. Alone. Productivity. Mm. Motivation. Consistency. Kumquat. I don't even know what that means. I'm not as smart as you guys. <laughs> no worries. This is a, it's a fruit that sounds funny, but it's like that's the only reason I put it in there. <laughs> Next word. Mountain. Beautiful. Tightrope. Agility. Satisfied. Every single day. And finally, ending. Peaceful. Nice. Ooh, we got there. Got there, got there. Those are tough words, man. I, I remember I did a word association. I was like rapid fire, but man, these ones are tricky. You guys must have found like the hardest one words. And I'm like, I can't associate anything with it. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Get ready for another 10 there. Let's do it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So first word of 10. First word, mind. Weapon. Wow. Body. Temple. Force. Energy. Will. Power. Nice. Villain. Deeper meaning. Excited to see that. Mental. Everything. Nice. Rest. important reset very important <laughs> nice strive professional life nice and the last word chase
efficient. Hey, there we are. Give it up for <laughs> nice. Mr. Chase Tang. Thank you both. Thank you both. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. I think Lucas's words were just a little bit easier than Josh's. Josh's was a little tougher, <laughs> but really enjoy the session tonight, both of you. Yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch. And um, Josh, definitely send along your, um, I've got Lucas's uh, Instagram. Definitely send along yours. I'd love to get uh, connected and follow what you're doing on the comedy side as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'll follow up with you. Maybe send you a clip. See if uh, you like any of my material. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. Awesome. Uh, where can people find you, Chase? Uh, what are your um, so, media handles? Yeah, I've got, uh, I'm pretty much on like every social media platform. Um, yes. Even like TikTok, even though <clears throat> I haven't posted like a, a dance video, but pretty much every single, like even like on LinkedIn, I think most actors are on LinkedIn, but I'm on mm-hmm. like and all the Asian ones too, like Doing and Weibo and all that. Like wow. every single social media platform that I think exists, you'll be able to mm-hmm. find me. If you just Google Chase Tang, you'll see every little thing. So just decide, it just depends which one you want to use. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Josh, what are your handles? Uh, everything is at Josh Yang Comedy. And uh, of course, you can also follow me or, or listen to me on my other podcast, Sleep with Josh, uh, where I read random boring things. Uh, last week, I read uh, The Weather in California. In my next episode, I'm going to read the terms of services of YouTube. So, you know, interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, you could look that up. Uh, but Lucas, what are your handles? Uh, everyone can find me at Lucas John Ng. Again, NG is no vowels, NG. And uh, across all social media on Instagram and on Facebook. Um, and also follow this podcast at HWMIY podcast uh, on YouTube and also Spotify too. Uh, please like and subscribe us because again, we really appreciate the support. So awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, anything else you want to plug or anything, Chase? No, I think, uh, you guys are honestly, what this platform is amazing. I think what you guys are doing is super good. So I think you guys will, uh, yeah, keep, keep doing what you guys are doing. Um, I think this is amazing. This podcast, I think uh, when I look through all the different people you guys have had on, I think, uh, you guys are onto something really good for sure. Oh, thank Thank you you so much. We really appreciate that. It's always good to get, get feedback and uh which helps us improve you know and it's uh yeah it's great to hear and we're looking forward to uh you as the supervillain in jupiter descending so yeah like looking forward to that thank you you so much thank you we'll definitely keep in touch and thank you both again and uh, keep well out in uh, vancouver lucas we'll have to see you when you come back to toronto can't wait man awesome we'll see you all next week then Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 